This is Fam Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air with Charney K, artist, musician, hacker, founder of um, xjmusic.com. And welcome to the Fam Electric Ghost podcast. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Phantom. Good to meet you. Great to be here. Want to let people know that we are a featured podcast on Newsleak. You can see the icon up there. For those of you who are listening, uh, if you use coupon code GHOST, you can check that out for free for 30 days. And uh, we will be on Newsly. We are a featured podcast. We'll be on there later tonight. But I do want to thank you for being on the show. We're actually at episode um, 1028, tracking on Apple Podcasts since 2016. And uh, today we're talking to the founder of XJ Music. We're going to get into that discussion. And uh, like uh, maybe you can give a brief background of your of your tell your story before we dive into XJ Music. Sure. Uh, so I'm from Chicago originally. I grew up, uh, you know, I was just taking apart electronics and and programming computers, you know, since I was a kid, and actually started off uh, dealing with bulletin board systems, um, you know, just hacking random things and phone freaking uh, before getting into the internet and you know the web. I never really thought that I'd be a professional software developer. Like that wasn't in my mind. I always wanted to be an artist, a musician. Uh, you know, grew up playing music and uh, piano actually for a while there. Um, and then I got into electronic music production and uh, specifically this lane called tracking, which was part of the demo scene, you know, mm -hmm. back, um, can we go back to the 90s and um, made an entire album, you know, with a tracker, uh, then eventually got into DJing and got some Akai MPC 2000s and was working with that. And but a lot of my friends, you know, at that time when I graduated high school, uh, were you know, we were all musicians, and a few of them ended up becoming professional mm -hmm. musicians, just sticking with it over the years. And I think that's incredibly impressive, you know, putting in that like four hours a day, just every day, and uh, you know, and I still just envy their ability to get on stage and and play together. Um, I ended up actually going to film school, and you know, continuing to pursue art, and it just turned into a lot of different. Uh, things in advertising and uh, did art direction and kind of eventually it was like a lot of web stuff um, mm -hmm. even building flash banners if you remember that yeah. and uh, at a certain point I realized okay if I'm going to be doing software professionally then uh, I want to learn how to do that right I uh, went to a lot of hackathons you know never had a computer science background officially mm -hmm. um just taught myself a lot of stuff and did a lot of learning on the job. So, you know, fast forward, I've, I've had a lot of different jobs as a professional software developer and even kind of went all the way into doing backend development and realized like that's not exactly right. So my day job now, I actually work for Endeavor building mobile apps uh, mm -hmm. for big events. And uh, it's, it's cool. It's a good balance of just my passion for art and creativity and really like human-centered design, um, building things that are going to have some meaning to people, like, you know, walking around an event, actually using them in their lives, yeah. and, uh, you know, then the, the technical side of it. That's interesting, because um, I fell into, I'm a software um, guy, but I'm a, what you call, a business system analyst. Been mm -hmm. in the financial services and insurance industry for 25 years. Yeah, That's my day job. That's how I afford my mocs. <laughs> uh -huh. yep, I know about this. And then it just kept on playing since I was 17. And I just created this, uh, you know, my, my, my uh, brand, Phantom Electric Ghost, and I create electronic music. 
I kind of do it from the standpoint of like I like bands like Funkadelic, Yes, Genesis, yeah. like Peter Gabriel Genesis. Oh, yeah. So I'm a I'm a kind of guy like I want to know what Keith Emerson was using. I want to huh. know what Rick Wakeman <laughs> was using, and then I try to get it and use it. <laughs> so so I'm into progressive rock, art rock, art rock, kind of you know sound design, Brian, you know that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, but my day job helps me afford it, so I'm, I'm able to be creative. But it's you know I'm doing finance, so that's not what you're doing yeah. in software. It's kind of you know it's a bunch of actuaries telling me what the formulas are. <laughs> yeah, you know I actually had a, a foray in the middle of kind of like getting into just back end software development, and I spent a couple of years at a venture capital firm, like building just uh, back end. You know, it was a platform that analysts were using to yeah. look at deals. So that might be yeah, similar. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing, like annuities and like, oh, figuring out cash oh. value, death tables. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but, but you get into the world of like art, you know, I've always been, I was, I found the software design helped me do still be creative because I still have to build yeah. stuff that, that may not exist. And it might not be as cool right. as, as working with my Moog and figuring out the CV to create a new waveform. Mm. But, um, it, it still keeps my mind going in a different way. So then I can kind of apply th that thinking to yeah. how I, I record. It's interesting. You're talking about MPCs. I've got like a, an Akai Force. Okay. And uh, I want to understand, I was looking at XJ Music and it looks like it's like a generative music platform. It seems like it's kind of like the grid, kind of like what I mm -hmm. see on my Akai Force, but you're creating like these, uh, like, like a soft synth in a way, but you've got this interesting models. I didn't dive into it too far, but maybe you can talk about, like you said, it's kind of for people who are musicians already. Right. So I guess one question being the kind of musician I am and is, you know, where I am is it, does it use an audio interface and you can connect a MIDI keyboard or you just stay within your XJ music to do everything? Right. So probably I think where it diverges from your process when we were talking, uh, you know, just earlier, um, tracking like directly um, into four tracks. And, and I really appreciate that live and like performance focused style. And where we picked up is basically after you've produced uh, stems, you know, and that's like oh, specifically, oh, yeah. right? Like, you know, you could take that out of a four track. Usually the term means like it's gone through some mastering process and you, yeah, yeah. you have just the final layers, right? That you're going to sum up into the music. You mastered, yeah. You master your layer into a WAV file or an MP3 and you can bring it in as right. a step or a file, however you want to bring it in. Right. And, you know, for video game music in particular, which has really become our central focus, we could definitely also do really cool music for live streams and also for environments. But you, you're starting with some somebody, you know, a composer, producer has come up with an idea for a musical composition. And it's something that's going to be essentially never ending. Right. Oh, it's on a loop, like a loop, like or it's more than a loop. Right. It's more than a loop is a great way to put it where, you know, as a starting point, if you look at video games now, you see a lot of loops and, you know, even just down to having to calculate like exactly where that loop starts based on oh, the syncing, it, syncing it to the game, like a filmmaker synced the soundtrack. Yeah. And, yeah, and they hack it together. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so we really started uh, from the groundwork of coming up with a system like, and I actually have a patent for the mathematical system. It's, you know, it's not super complicated. It's more like a logical framework to like actually just represent music uh, mm -hmm. in this way so it can be played back dynamically. That's awesome. So it helps you do that piece. Like, like if, you know, if you're a composer and you're working with a TV commercial or you're working with a film, 
and you kind of got it in front of you right and you're trying to synchronize it in your daw or on your mastering board with all your tools to like sync up that piece of music to that scene you know and, and i guess in video games you got to sync it to whatever sequence right. that's happening you know in the game you know if you're with some kind of open world game it's going to trigger that music based on a exactly. certain situation and if once you hit the boss battle yeah the other ominous yeah. music because something's getting ready to happen <laughs> yeah you got it exactly when if it's just a commercial you don't necessarily need what we've built because you have all the control in the world but the moment that you get into situations like video games live streams environments where you don't know ahead of time what's going to happen then you trigger our playback engine with these kinds of you know events that are about like what is happening generally and it's going to um pick the stems it's going to choose from all the pieces that you've got and also it's not going to sound the same every time you know you really oh, it changes of, it up it changes yeah. it. so you can have a lot of stems in a library and it randomizes based on some kind of algorithm where they're going to happen exactly oh that's cool that's a cool thing yeah, that's interesting because like i think it's like like so is it kind of meant for somebody like you're saying the composers already have pieces of music and then they're going to bring them into this into this environment to be able to use it for this purpose right right and you know we there's a lot of uh sort of tools and like generative stuff out there now which advertises you know you basically like press a button get music it's going to generate automatically <laughs> yeah. right and <laughs> You know that is um that's not what we're doing and especially i think if you're uh sort of like larger video games that are really investing in music production um or even if you're a major artist or you know just anybody that's taking your music on tour uh, or designing the sound for a museum space or something like situations where people really care about representing their original intention uh mm -hmm. you know like traditional you know music in a way yeah yeah well, yeah, with the AI, you're like, okay, yeah, it, you'll find me something that sounds like Miles Davis. Find me right. something that sounds like Sun Ra. Do a prompt and then you get something, right? But, and that's fine, but I'm kind of like, I, I have a vision. Like, I know what mm -hmm. I want. I'm an experimental musician. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what I'm trying to do. And yeah, cool. I don't need, you know, maybe if I have a tool that helps me with my mastering, say, hey, what happens if I make this sound like, like uh bitches brews mix and if you uh, if you had a system that could figure out what that mix board what the board had set for the compressors and all that stuff that's cool mm -hmm. i could use something like that but still uh, i might want to just play with that, those compressors and stuff myself right because i can tend to kind of like know how i want to shape it because i'm a sound designer right so going, i spent three hours on my moog trying to create waveforms to create new tones right. so like if i'm into that level of detail i'm probably going to figure out what what kind of compression i want or not <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and you know we really uh believe i believe in the, in the whole team that we've got together that music is human that at some level this is an expression of a person's point of view like their subjective reality and what they want to get out yeah i think it's interesting that, that i still have a tool that that understands the human factor mm. and there's so many things today where you know they're trying to take the human factor out you know i, I you know it started with like sampling and then people mm -hmm. could add it and it still becomes a human issue though because like if you go back to the old hip-hop mm -hmm. and people are using vinyl and then mm -hmm. people are syncing up to 808s or 909s there's still a lot of they're using machines but there's still a lot of human beings just making decisions and yeah. how these machines are going to get into this they're using them as tools 
And yeah. now sometimes people are just taking it. So I can do the whole thing without having any kind of like human element, like the human element of the happy accident. Yeah. The human yeah. element of, of maybe not trying to make it perfect. Absolutely. So thinking about like exile on main street or a band like yes, or Genesis mm. and doing key changes, making happy accidents and going with that. Oh, it's a bad. No, no, it's an opportunity. <laughs> yeah yeah it's oh man it's true and actually a word that um an artist that we interviewed uh recently brought up nuance you know like yeah that that's that's where you really feel the humanity in recorded music well yeah it's the micro timing like you can see the bpm telling you to stay in the bpm but mm -hmm. a lot of great music is the micro timing and you know the, the the tonal quality of like getting into a little distance i mean we we spend a lot of time with our oscillators getting the get them to drift or getting them mm. to like be a little bit out of sync like i have multiple oscillations and tune them differently mm. so they're not all perfect That's they're cool. actually yeah. imperfect because that imperfectness gives you like very unique tonal qualities to having yeah. it be a little off and there's some people who are so like i got to get it right in in tune i'm like why <laughs> yeah that's because i mean tuning as we know it like that's just one subjective interpretation of what music can be um and you know like pretty much almost all the music you're going to see you know i don't know in pop in the u.s is like sitting in this grid of 12 notes um that have been yeah. predetermined yeah. and uh yeah it gets it gets sort of like tiring after a while what the um an artist ian hersey that we worked with that built out this musical composition uh the project we call space and mm -hmm. uh you can see like some of the stuff on our youtube and we did uh some the foray into like what people call binaural beats and yeah, those are awesome yeah like really stereo are. those are like stereo like right holy stereo like stereo oscillators from the start and a slight phasing like you're saying yeah um, yeah we got really into that and it was just really important to us that like we had the system that could preserve that you know nuance but it's, i think it's really important to get the character of, of what the artist is trying to convey mm -hmm. and you know it's not, not that you want to match what's in the top 20 and right. do the same use the same sample pack the same drum loop the same this because that was hitting you know and then you have yeah. some producers rep replicating the same kind of drops the same scenarios of multiple songs because it's familiar yeah where i'm kind of a guy that like when i listen to lou reed and the velvets i listen to alex mm -hmm. chilton and big star, mm. you know, stuff that was kind of in in the you know, you know, at the at the bottom of the bin. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But they, I mean, you know, the Brian Eno yeah. experiments. You know, that's the kind of stuff. It's like I want to hear something a little different. You know? oh. And if you can use tools to help you, like, kind of bend things. Like, if I if I if I could see how your tool works, and then kind of be able to use like you know a lot of like Euro rack experimental. Mm. music that's just like sound painting type stuff and yeah. then figure out how i could take these sound paintings and organize them in a way that somebody could use that that'd be a cool experiment i'm going to try it after this <laughs> right. yeah and i was checking out some of your music uh you know on the website and i really appreciate like just uh sort of avant-garde is like a word that comes to mind too um you know yeah. we've got <laughs> so much stuff on the radio is like sitting in the same uh, no. form right and like even just the idea of a song is this really rigid form and yeah. uh yeah there's not much room to explore a lot of these ideas yeah because like i mean if you take the sometimes we take we got random voltage generator 
and have a random voltage generator run my my drum machine. I'll have like an analog drum machine and then trigger it with like, like random voltage or LFOs or multiple LFOs that come in at different oh. points. And then it runs around and it keeps on running on the loop, but it keeps on changing yeah. every time. <laughs> and so it yeah. sounds like a real person. But if you use a lot of analog stuff with the these Euro racks, you right. can patch them together to create right. kind of this like like virtual machine that's not like AI. It's kind of it's like oh. really old school 1960s, 70s tech yeah. that allows you to have a lot of bottom and a lot of like it just feels like very real the analog stuff feels mm -hmm. less digital and so i like to but i get opportunities to kind of take digital tech and then take the analog and bring it in so the analog's giving yeah. me that sound i want but maybe the tech like your tech might give me the opportunity to take that analog and bring it in to a different realm yeah, that's a really interesting thing you just brought up there too because in a way when you're you know you're talking about connecting these uh, analog electronic components together and there is going to be like a kind of logic that creates and you could look at it as a kind of algorithm but it, it has a life to it that is yeah. definitely gone once you really nail an algorithm down and you're running it digitally um you know unless you deliberately introduce these other kinds of variants um you know like simulated synthesizers mm -hmm. you know you, you don't get that kind of life to it yeah, that's the thing about I love about the randomness of like analog systems is like mm. they warm up over time. Like my analog oh. modes, like when they're cold, they behave differently than if they've been on for a half hour and they've oh, been wow. on for like two hours. And so they start to drift. The the, the oscillators mm. will drift. Things will get a little different every time you you do something. You can you oh. can just pitch it so differently like coming through in a very honest way what's almost like uh, another person like say i call that's why i call myself fam electric ghost because the ghosts are kind of playing with me interesting the ghost in the machine. Idea, yeah <laughs> so that's the yeah. idea is the ghost in the machine is actually these are my partners in crime are my sense <laughs> you know they do yeah. they do have the life of their own yeah. um but it's it's interesting because um you the, the methods that you use in your digital product maybe you can kind of explain like the methodology of trying like what xj music like how does it your your algorithm maybe the base of it or or maybe a multiple algorithms right. but like the whole concept of how you put songs together in your system like what does yeah. somebody do when they start to track it like i know that we live in a grid life world where people say oh i'm gonna take a lane on my on my uh on my mpc and i'm gonna start you know putting them in the grid and figure out where they're gonna go but maybe you can talk about what is that workflow sure yeah and right now you know this whole process like we've got a pretty uh mature like desktop player like the workstation you're actually using to play back the music the part that is still very strange for people to kind of get used to is like the process of getting all of those pieces in there and creating it and we have these different building blocks um programs and instruments are like the two basic types mm -hmm. and uh an instrument like pretty familiar to using a sampler is a collection of audio and some kind of logic around how that audio is going to be used to fulfill musical instructions. Um, but we've created a bunch of different kinds of instruments, which I'll get into. And for programs, um, we have sort of at the, the hierarchy, like at the top level, we have something called a macro program. And then we have oh, main macro. programs. Yeah, the macro program, I like to think of this because we we started from the top with like, this has to be continuous music. It's not, mm -hmm. um, you have a lot of challenges when you know that you're going to switch it on, you're going to start, 
And then it's just going to be going and going and like changing all these different ways, but actually being nonstop. And uh, the macro programs are kind of like dominoes in the sense that everyone goes from somewhere to somewhere else. And mm -hmm. and they end up getting placed end to end by matching the part, you know. So like uh, we have this uh, composition for lo-fi hip hop where we just started off at the top, just dividing it into 75 BPM and 85 BPM. And there's all these different programs and instruments that work in those two tempos. Um, but the macro programs basically just go, you know, 75 to 85, stay at 85, you know, 85 to 75 or stay at 75. And we got the whole composition done with just those four macro programs. Oh, wow. So this shifts with the BPM at different points. Right. Right. And, <clears throat> you know, you can sort of let it run on its own and it's just going to randomly go back and forth between the two tempos. But you take that in the context of a video game or somewhere where you're actually using manual control. And that's, that's kind of like just the foundation of like, um, switching between those two tempos. Because it's not just the tempo, like that's how the other composer, yeah, right, other right uh, producer, and this is Jamal Whitaker, that's uh, my business partner that produced all of this. And he's a really experienced hip hop producer. And so those two tempos really, um, and it would be interesting to speak with him actually um, sometime also about this, because he could really get into like the exact nuance of like those two tempos represent two slightly different styles of lo-fi hip hop. Oh, yeah. But, and they just kind of kind of weave between them. It's interesting. Like, like, it's like there are ways like, you know, if you're mixing like a DJ, you can kind of yeah. cut into it. Like in, in some cases you can kind of morph so I don't know right. if you have that level, but we, I have some samplers that can morph. I got this thing from Make Noise. It's called a Morphogy. Mm -hmm. They can take like two different samples. They could be running at two different BPMs. They don't know how to morph them. So they can be kind of happening at the same time and they kind of go into each other. And so then it's kind of like right. when a DJ goes from one track, one clip to the next. And it, yeah. it might be a different BPM or they could be kind of co-mingling at the same time. And so I wonder, uh -huh. do you have those kind of opportunities where you kind of morph at the same point in time and then switch or does it kind of just fade into one or the other it's interesting i mean you you have the option of like if you were making a composition you have the option of like fading smoothly from one tempo to another um mm -hmm. but the it's interesting i'd say like at this moment in time none of the projects that we put together have like overlapping elements of two different tempos at once so i would say that yeah, like you know putting the two in your hands yeah you might <laughs> Like one place, you, I guess, polyrhythms uh, are hard to deal with. You know, we just like, you start getting into subharmonics and polyrhythms. It's like, yeah, right. those things can get a little complicated, and you, you know, there's a lot of work to try to clean it up. But um, one interesting kind of thing, though, uh, you know, for for one place where we did have polyrhythms for in the ambient music project in space, um, Ian Hersey like set the tempo really low. I think it was like 12 BPM or something like that, and that was just a theoretical framework that that kind of oh, goes. Oh, what happened? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. then the actual instruments themselves are are in fact at all these different tempos, and it'll just be like sounds which, you know, one loop over another at two different tempos. You actually end up with all of these different combinations. Over yeah, yeah, yeah. You can but, play with poly. Yeah. I play with a lot of polyrhythms like that because yeah. I don't have multiple drum machines. One might be okay. going like four four, might be going six eight, might be going seven. Right. And you can kind of have them because you have your mixer. You can like have them come in at different levels. Yeah. It's kind of like shadow vocals. Like when yeah. you start to layer vocals, you, know, you might layer them in different pitches where you can start layering these polyrhythms 
and you could have something happen in like a kick drum once in a while or yeah. tom or something so it could be on one drum machine just doing that and then yeah. another one's actually doing the cymbals and that could be going a lot faster or it could be doing the hi-hat or it could be doing some kind of electronic drum or african rhythms and you can yeah. start to play with things because if you think about like multi-track that's how i talk about sound paintings i talk mm. about like the layer of a painter when they put mm. the paint down i use my studio like the beatles the idea of the mm. sound painting came from george martin and the beatles mm. where they said well, you know we could be play like we did in hamburg or we can mm. take what i was doing with peter sellers on his comedy records and layer things <laughs> right and that's kind of no. where it came from because he was actually doing these peter sellers albums Oh well, these comedy records that had all these layers of effects mm. and and clips and backward things, and Beale said, "Hey, we like those. Can we use that stuff?" And that's how wow. it started to take those techniques that George Martin was already doing wow. with Peter Sellers, and then apply them to a rock band, and then say, wow. "Oh wow, we can be like Monet and have all these layers." Huh. No, and this I actually what's really piquing my my interest here is like one to see what you would do with this plat with actually platform in your hands because you'd be coming up with things we never thought of, and then two to really expand um, the amount that you can just do all this stuff live because right now the process of composing music and playing it back are very separate in our platform, mm -hmm. which makes sense if you're publishing a video game, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like everything else in video game development, you've got all this stuff that happens in the lab. And then by the time you get into playtesting, like you've built and shipped that game. Um, but it would be really cool to, you know, see what this was like uh, with just like more of a live composition framework. Yeah, I'd like to see what I could do with it. I like to play with tools. I mean, I, I use cool. all kinds of tools that whatever's coming up and I, I kind of hijack things. It's like, well, I can use this. And it's mm. like, maybe it wasn't supposed to be used for that. And then yeah. I do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You know, yeah. But that's the way you do how you do things. You know, that's how you yeah. get something. It's like, like you got to blur things. You know, I like to mix yeah. things up. And uh, yeah, it sounds like you you got a cool tech that I would like to check out. So I'm gonna. I was checking out before the right, we we started the interview. I said, "Well, this looks really interesting because like you got macros. I mean, we all kind of if we used you know things like the Kai forces and stuff like that and DAWs. You know about macros at least mm -hmm. from the context of a of a DAW." Right, the right. context of a tool like that, but like in terms of uh, you know, grid life, you know, and then tracking, yeah. you know, it's kind of it's just interesting to see what you can do. You can bring different tools in. Like I, I like to bring my Eurorack stuff in and kind of bring it in to those worlds. Mm. Yeah, so I'd see like what happened if I bring that kind of stuff into the, that system and see what I could do with it. Yeah, and you'd be sort of like thinking about almost like you know just strips of tape like you know if you were because you could have lots of different size sound clips like we're really um pretty open in terms mm. of like not necessarily looping things other kinds of programs there's we have some stuff that's more like traditional sample sequencing so you can use a beat program that's a type of program and then you can have a drum instrument that you know has a bunch of different drum sounds and when xj picks a beat program it might pair it with like any one of number of different uh drum instruments mm -hmm. right uh, actually, one of the like just little nuances was uh, finding out that like just pairing kicks and snares is huge. Mm -hmm. So there are yeah. certain things that you might randomize, but then we found over time that like even when we're randomizing which drum instrument gets assigned to a beat program, there any pair of a kick and a snare is something that a human being decided on. Like these two things go together. And yeah. that that provides like a lot of ground. You know, yeah, there's a lot of groundwork when you can do that. Because I mean, I'm always yeah. going through <clears throat> all types of drum machines 
from analogs mm-hmm. to like digital drums and and just playing with what you can do. And, and polyrhythmic oh. stuff is the stuff I like to get into for like a multiple drum machines running uh, at oh. once. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you can play with like the different aspects of that, that would be really cool. And then the links, like some systems, like, you know, these yeah. sample links, you know, you're limited to like a certain size of your sample. But like uh, when I started, I kind of did a, a kind of cheat that uh, Nine Inch Nails used to do. And they used to go out with their task cam mm-hmm. and take take whatever they had when they recorded the song, like the original material, and actually mm-hmm. then run it through tons of effects. So oh, yeah. they would be playing live, and then they'd have one of their guys actually have their task cam and then feed that through a bunch of oh. um, um, effect processors. And then when, so instead of using like 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 a DAW to play back the backing track, they're using their Tascam to play it back and then running that through tons of effect processors and then controlling wow. that that mix through that. And then it gives you like this alternative kind of very experimental way of presenting your music. You could play it straight yeah. and just not run through effects or just then suddenly run it through something and you know, a space echo or through string reverb or through flanger or whatever yeah. different combinations and it totally radically shifts it to something else that wasn't it's more live performance right. capability yeah especially you know something like running sound through tape right you can you could just have a, a tape reel running and have the right head you know writing sound onto it and then reading it off of the read head and it's going to transform hugely and organically just on that yeah. inch of tape yeah, there's a lot yeah. of cool stuff. I mean, who used to run, you know, Bob O'Reilly on tape? They used uh-huh. to run what they were running through their 2600. Their ARP 2600, like, uh, that whole passage was like an ARP that was wow. running through, like, uh, you know, different different parts of that that synthesizer. And, it was, you know, it was hard to replicate that live, so they just run it on tape and play to the tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, there's, so I mean, if you can if you can take your Tascam or your your old uh, you know reel to reel and then run it, digitize it, bring it in, or just bring the audio in, and then like so, is there any particular length like like if you had something that's three minutes long, can you bring that in? Yeah, it's absolutely. Like, you like, oh, you you can do that. Right? Yeah, and you know it was like early on. I think so, like uh, when we were first developing it, some of the ideas that were on the board, and they're still there. Like we use you know we just got this long, uh, essentially an agile system for like keeping track of the project that's like running mm-hmm. for years now but, oh, but every idea gets run, written down right but like we're just going to kick it farther down the road like we we're only really small team so we're only working on like what we want to build right now but there's ideas out there for like soft synthesizers right for live effects and more advanced compressors and all of this stuff mm-hmm. and cool. we actually haven't built any of that because we kept coming back to just like let the producer decide whatever they want to use and as long mm-hmm. as it ends up being a digital recording, like everything we're working with is digitally recorded, then we're just going to take that and play it back faithfully. And we're really just focusing on the timing and what gets selected and what gets combined at different times. Um, so the output, once you finish a project, does the output go to like a WAV file or an MP3 or some other form, or does it stay within a proprietary format? No, definitely. Um, right now, yeah, you can just write it out to a WAV file. Um, the uh, more and more, we've just focused on live streaming, and like the more that we're focused on, like video games in particular, it's like the playback engine is something that we want to be able. We want you to be able to take and embed inside of a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but essentially yeah you know just output it there and you could use this tool in a studio and then run the output of it through whatever you wanted and make it sound you know even more interesting from there yeah so you could take it like i have got you know right now i'm using like a zoom multi-track connected to my laptop right. <clears throat> to do this podcast so theoretically anything that's on the usb input could actually come into my multi-track and then i can o overdub on top of it yeah and then i've got my grandmother hooked up my moog hooked up to my whole thing so i i got modes yeah. and rollins and all kinds of stuff so i, I like to multi-track stuff like outside of a dog i cool. actually go and punch yeah. in and, and and go live play a moog baseline and play for four minutes live cool. rather than yeah. putting it into the grid but that's because i know I, I can play so if you even know how to play yeah. that seems natural but if it, some people say well i'll just throw it on the grid Right, right, <laughs> I right. I just want the keys and play. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. but uh, if I record it and I get it into that world, and then once it's there, I can manipulate it. But you know, I just like, but sometimes I like to auto generate stuff too. Like I, like I said, like LFOs or random voltage generators or other oscillators mm -hmm. to drive something to give give me some an idea that I didn't know. I didn't know what I like. Maybe I don't have an idea, so I let my I let my mm -hmm. machine tell me what I'm gonna do. Let so the ghost let, tell you, give let you an the ghost, idea. Ghost, run through an envelope, make it real yeah. slow, and then it does all kinds of weird stuff. It's like, oh, I can use that. It's kind of yeah. like that experimentation that Pete was doing on Barbara O'Reilly, or mm -hmm. like, who are you? You know, like, like what was he doing? He was experimenting with analog sense and coming up with these weird sounds hmm. and these weird passages. And it's like, oh, and I always liked the way Townsend approached it because he wasn't a keyboard player; he's a guitar hmm. player. Then he approached synthesizers in a way that Keith Emerson didn't. Or Rick Wakeman did. And so then yeah. sometimes it's cool to have somebody that that's not their main instrument. So they approach it in a different way. Like, yeah. I need this to yeah. be a different, like, uh, palette on my song. So Pete was looking for this other sound. He knows how to play guitar, but he wanted something different mm -hmm. to make Barbara O'Reilly, you know? So that, that's kind of cool when you can do that. You know, an artist that um, just had a huge influence on me growing up, and I still love to this day, is Aphex Twin. And, yeah, you know, the guy that like has just done he's, he built his own software in a lot of cases sometimes you're listening to the software and make music um there's this album drux which just like completely blew my mind uh and changed the way that i thought about that interrelationship between instruments and computers and machines where a lot of the sounds on drux are actually like solenoid controlled they're like robotically controlled instruments that he's recording in this studio environment he's got sequences that are you know setting off like everything from pianos to drums or whatever um, things off the trigger and things right. yeah but then he's taking those sounds sampling them and running them back through other processes that he came <laughs> up with and i mean it just you know you, you really can't by the time it's done separate the two at all yeah it's an interesting way to produce like, like you can resample like a lot, mm. a lot of times i would like to resample instead of some vinyl something coming off of my moke and yeah. then you know and then then have that that to go and take the CV of my sample and the rhythm of that sample will then drive another machine. Mm. And so then you take that and then have that drive a bass synth. So go mm. have a drive like a mini mode and then run it through the CV and have that drive. The mini mode bass line is being driven by a sample rhythm. Cool. And then, that, then it all starts to sync, but it's different tones come from different places. Then you could interrupt it with like LFOs or other things and have it run, stop, run stuff. But, you know, the CV gives oh. you this a lot of opportunities with the physical CV 
wires. Mm. I love to kind of just override everything mm. with these different combinations, then just rip everything out and start again. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, your music really uh, sounds alive. Like there's I, there's something that I really appreciate. Like, you know, come back to avant-garde and even uh, in filmmaking, I've loved avant-garde films for a lot of the same reason where, you know, you just throw all the rules out and come up with things where you almost like the, as the listener, um, it's taking it's like arresting your attention it's controlling you a lot less than say like pop music or hollywood yeah. movies and it really it leaves a lot of room for you as a listener to bring your own thoughts and your observations and like have this actual life experience while the music's playing well i think what i love about like talking to people like you that are pushing the envelope and coming up with new tools is like in the musicians we 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 you know if we live in the streaming world we have declining benefits from that other than it's kind of like advertising. <laughs> right. So we need we need other ways to monetize our music. So being able to use a tool like your that that tool to get into the world of film and video games, because that's where you kind of you have to sync license. You know, it's only kind of mm -hmm. the game in town for a lot of us today because they've really taken like the value in the indeed valued ever since Napster and all these other things happened, yeah. like the value of a song, you mm -hmm. know, it's like like less than a penny, you know, oh, per, per so much less than a penny, you know, you're like, yeah. And you're like, well, scary. My podcast gets more money than that. Mm. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, well, how is that fair for me? You know, and I'm a musician. So I go, how is it fair that my song royalty is so inconsistent, you know, so small, so much smaller than my podcast episode. Yeah. royalty? But that's just yeah. like it's like the devaluation. So it tools that can help bring some value back to to your music. And maybe we can talk mm -hmm. about like, okay, so if you use this tool, how do you get this in front of the people who do the video games? Is there do you mm -hmm. have like a, a pipeline or something or a funnel to it, or you just have a way that you once you set it up in this format is more more likely to get picked up? I mean, a lot of that right now is exactly where we're focusing our energy and definitely some question marks there. Um, we focus, we're focusing on integrating with a couple of like big known platforms. So you've got Unity, this big game engine. Unreal is also a big game oh, engine. Oh yeah, that's a big engine. Um, you know, and there, there are big communities around this and a lot of people building games in it. So we're working on integrations, basically, basically just porting the code from the player component over so that it can run inside of a unity game so that it can run inside uh -huh. of a real game that makes it a lot easier it's like yeah you made it, yeah if you make it easier so you don't have to go through hoops you're more likely to get adopted <laughs> hopefully right and and talking to people um like you know we were actually at this uh, unity developer day in san francisco last week and there's you know a lot of unity developers there and you know some of the music producers you know the actual like music directors and people that are like working with the developers and coming up with really creative music and those are the people that have the the most like head nods when we're talking about what we're doing and uh you know and just really excited to have like the unity integration will be the first one that's done really excited to have that because then like the whole audience of people that are making games in unity making music for games in unity uh, then it becomes an option for any of them that's awesome yeah, I definitely got to check this out. And, you know, if you ever need beta testers for yeah. stuff, oh, I, I beta tested like stuff on SoundCloud and for for them, I actually did some stuff for them. But um, oh, cool. yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, the, the the integration between like multiple art forms, you know, a, mm -hmm. a lot of times we musicians, we, we tend to work with filmmakers. We work with, you know, people doing digital 
uh, visual yeah. stuff. Because if you go do do a show, like you want to have something like on the screen. So yeah. a lot of times you do these animations or you use, you know, like film directors or people creating like, you know, like the light shows back in the day where, or right. you know, Pink, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd used to have these big shows like when they would do the wall. Oh, yeah. They the oil have, wheel, that classic. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I just thought there's a guy, um, uh, his name <laughs> Brian Sweeney, I think he does, does this uh, show called Ambient Church that's in uh, different cities at different times, actually. Um, I saw them in Brooklyn a few years back and you know, they're actually in a church with uh I'm blanking the name of the artist was like just this legendary kind of original ambient music producer. It was like all moogs on stage and you know, just these analog synthesizers and and just all the wires, everything that you're talking about. And then the light show that went with it, they had brought in this artist that had that was doing the original, like it's a it's like a I don't even know, it's a projector with all these different projector. kinds of foils. Oh, kind of like what Andy Warhol must have been doing with the uh, like uh, in the thing he used to do with the velvets, like he used to do mm. these happenings, and they used to have mm. these things going on on a film. Maybe they would run things on projectors. Right. Probably right. wasn't advanced as what you know that was in '66, '67, so it wouldn't have been what what it is now. But, but they but, were deliberately they were they were bringing some of the original technology, and it was like it was beautiful to see because we're so inundated with digital stuff yeah. and digital processes that it's just like the incredible variations that they're coming up with by just dropping paint and dropping oil into water and projecting that on a screen yeah some of the old school stuff you know like zappa used to do with the mothers of invention mm -hmm. they used to do these happenings and they'd have artists like that they'd be doing stuff like you're talking about they would cool. kind of do that san francisco mentality like like well, we're all artists and we're going to yeah. have like you know actors on stage models on stage and an artist actually projecting pieces of art yeah, you know, in real time, you know, guys doing stuff real time, like painters doing stuff and then projecting it in real time. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, I think there are a lot of artists would be into that to create these mm. kind of modern happenings, take new and take old tech and new tech. So yeah. I've always been like, yeah, I mean, I use my modes, but then I use my Akai stuff. It's like I use whatever serves the song. So mm. at the moment, if my song needs to be like all analog, it's all analog. But if I need to use a sampler, some digital stuff and some soft sense i'll use it because whatever serves yeah. that moment yeah like, it's like it's like whatever that piece is going to be and i don't know like when i start it's like yeah. oh yeah this piece needs something then i'll use something more modern if a piece is like no it needs something older then i'll use you know the older stuff yeah that's cool because yeah, i would really love to hear what if somebody took extra music and used it as a like just the foundation of a live show where you you know you figure out some part of the music that you want and put that in there uh, and then have that running and have somebody, you know, manipulating that workstation live while playing other instruments on top of it. And the workstation actually displays uh, like this sheet music sliding by as it's going. Oh, so wow. it's, it's telling you like that's kind of the screenshot that you see. We've it's got a um, video. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And so you could, you know, as a musician, like you could play along with that. It's giving yeah, you yeah. all the cues that you need. Yeah. And I, you know, I play by ear too. So, I mean, a lot of it yeah. I would hear and kind of play with it kind of like a fusion musician but like yeah no knowing what key it's in and what it's doing that, that that's helpful yeah i mean I, I like to do facebook events live like i i used to do it more but i would actually you know with all this stuff behind me yeah. i i have all these like multiple webcams and then go and use um you know some Streamlabs tools obs and have mm. multiple camera angle show where I would oh, actually yeah. be playing my mugs and stuff just right for an hour, just play something live. And then if, if I could connect with this type of system, HJ Music, and then, you know, have something where I live jam with XJ Music, 
you know, like create something, some piece, and then oh, live yeah. jam with it and put it up. Yeah, I'd, I'd be definitely. I worked something out before I ever did it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just something that sounds cool. Because I mean, I've, I've been, I'm kind of like a in the moment kind of stream of consciousness flow state guy. So like, yeah, cool. if I can do yeah. something like that, I would try it. Yeah. And uh, we'd really appreciate like the feedback from your standpoint as being, like you said, just flow state, like live musician, kind of where does the tool need, where, where is it yeah. holding you back? Right. Like what, yeah, could yeah. What, what could you do to make it like more in, you know, integrative, you know, to yeah. figure out how to, to link it. Like as mm -hmm. if I could, you know, kind of my stuff and like, you know, I do a lot of CV, I do a lot of MIDI, you mm -hmm. know, you know, I, I got the new USB-C MIDI. So if there's a way to yeah. kind of USB-C it, to link it to some of my stuff, mm -hmm. to link it to my clocks, and yeah. then and then have my MIDI clock or my CV clocks, like actually helping to trigger stuff or being able to connect so it could trigger yeah. stuff. So there's a connection. So to having that MIDI, you know, a MIDI CV, for, you know, like, you know, there's a lot yeah. of digital MIDI CV converters that will even link to like soft sense engines. Like, you know, you could huh. go into Pro Tools and have a CV clock kicking something off. If you yeah. could do something like that, and then also have the MIDI and then even virtual CV to trigger tones or patterns, yeah. you know, that would be cool. Then you could have a thing driving a pattern and then using one of your soft sense to drive, like one of my Moog, like yeah. uh, sequence. We got 250 step sequence around a grandmother. It's an analog sequence where I can set it and then have mm -hmm. that drive one of your instruments. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to write that one down right now. Actually, it's funny because we've been so focused um, on just like certain lanes that like that that hasn't come up yet. I wonder if that's even like in our roadmap. Um, but yeah. yeah, to be able to send out a clock User signal story. to be able to use case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, user wants to write programs that send out MIDI signals. Like there it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. just I I love doing CV and, and MIDI signals and that kind of MIDI information to trigger things and then see what it does. You don't want a different yeah. instrument. You know, use a Profit Five versus a a Grand. You know, a, a Mini Moog versus an Oberheim. Like, what does it sound like if I send that signal? It's like, oh, okay, well, I, I like the Oberheim sounds better for this. So I'll use that. You know, yeah. you just make choices based on, okay, I like the tone for this particular piece. And so yeah. you have different, you know, tones or like the painting. It's like, the, you know, it's the color. Yeah. I see kind of like a synesthesia type of thing. It's like I see sounds oh. in color and oh, I kind wow. of think of it in that way. And so if I, when I hear something, I kind of know if it fits their overall vision I have for something. And, uh, mm. you know, just having different palettes and having your palette, like if you have all these different instruments or drums that I could use, and say, whoa, I could use these tones are cool. I don't have that mm. in my library. So I could, maybe I can use these toms, yeah. these, these uh, the, you know, the snares or whatever name and figure out how I can integrate yeah. that with something I'm doing. It just gives me another source of a uh, you know an, a, a tool to use for sound creation you know the it just reminded me but like the absolute first prototype version of xj music when i had sort of come up with the general idea and i wanted to just prove that it could work at all before dragging other people into it and really building software i took a little zoom recorder went into my kitchen took like a wooden spoon and just mm. hit like every right. single different thing you know in the kitchen and recorded it and 
used that as as his first sequencer um or as oh, you know, cool. a set of sounds for the sequence and it ended yeah, up, it ended up kind of really cool yeah it was like because cool. it's randomizing it there was like some part of it i think i had an 808 kick drum that was at the mm -hmm. base of it just to kind of like hold to have hold some foundation yeah. Yeah, yeah um but then everything else was random and you know i played it for a friend and he was just like 30 minutes into this just like the sound of all these pots and pans getting hit he was like dude this is this is incredible <laughs> it's every it's different every time you know like yeah. yeah it's like the old recording like you record somebody turning the pages of a book mm -hmm. right you know you, you record like tearing a piece of paper like a lot yeah. of times you know when we sample i like the sample like field recordings like go out to the i live in new hampshire go out and record mm -hmm. the merrimack river and actually uh, use that instead of grabbing something that i actually took a recording of the merrimack river and put it into the recording Kind of like yes, yeah. yes, uh, like uh, close to the edge. They went out into a forest and oh. they recorded the forest. And that whole album starts with the recording of the forest. Yeah. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm the kind of Peter Gabriel guy, you know. I like oh, yeah. that kind oh, of hard rock. Yeah, like go, go and do the old school yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, just talk about humanity, like being preserved, because I, you know, I just, I believe in that. Like, I want to be able to, like, feel like somebody's actually in the room and, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's challenging in some way, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like, the, the, sometimes it's like, the, you know, that variability, you know, like if you think about Peter Gabriel's voice where he kind of pitches it in these kind of weird tones, they're like, oh. like, that's really different. It's like he, he was into that art progressive rock. And then he finally mm. got the world to, with so to mm. align with his vision, mm. but he had that vision going back to the early Jensen stuff. He was doing those types of things that people weren't yeah. connected. And then finally, he, he he the world connected and actually, oh, that's cool. It's like, well, I could took you that long to figure out. Oh, cool. Now we get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you just you just never know when when you're gonna hit because it's just um, yeah, you never know. It's like that's why you kind of throw it at the wall. I'm kind of a throw it at the wall guy. It's like yeah. like I don't know what's gonna work, and as a musician, sometimes you don't know what's gonna yeah. work, so you can keep all this stuff to yourself. Or you can kind of throw it out and then you find an audience and you find people that want to work with you. Mm -hmm. A lot of opportunities I've had is just throwing things out and then other musicians have said, Oh, I want to work mm -hmm. with you on something. And then I got an opportunity. And I might not be the biggest guy in the world, but I get to work on something because somebody liked what I was doing. And that's kind of yeah. like the point. And I get to work with other people because they say, Oh, they dig, yeah. dig what I was doing. And I, you know, I get to I get to try something out and I didn't expect that. But I wouldn't have known about it if I hadn't have thrown it out on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's totally different than just being alone, you know, in the lab working, working by yourself. Um, and even, you know, what got me inspired to just try and jump out and get on people's podcasts and, and talk to people, uh, you know, you've got to get out there in the world and just like put your idea out, see what other people think about it, what they might do with it. Yeah. The podcast is a really cool form. Cause I, I mean, I've been doing it, like I said, since 2016, but we did it to get emerging artists and, and you know, creative thinkers and people, they have long, long discussions that aren't just like 15 minutes or like 90 seconds mm. sound bites. We actually get into a story and tell people about something that they might want to get into. And this, I mean, XJ Music and what you're doing is an opportunity where to, to think differently, you mm. know, in a world where everybody's talking about AI replacing. I've had people come on the show and say, oh, AI is going to replace all musicians. I'm like, really? 
<laughs> really that's what that's how much you think about musicians <laughs> uh, right and I, you know and i think i had I, there was somebody that i spoke to recently said you know they, they think that all these companies are just jealous of musicians jealous of artists like the stuff that they can't do themselves and now they feel like okay well we, we finally can do this now it's like actually you're still just sampling like you might be using a neural network yeah and, it's just a and, sample it's just yeah. a sample. It's of just a very uh, interesting might way. Might be more advanced. Might be getting close to the bomb squad where you can move stuff around. And it <laughs> seems or De La Soul, yeah. and it seems like very inventive, but it's not something like Coltrane. It's not Davis. Right. It's not Sunrod. It's not Hendrix. Right. It's right. not pushing it unless somebody goes and takes it and puts that human spin and then reprocesses it through a different thing. Right. Yeah. Then, then the human being takes it and then adds another layer to it, then that becomes something. But you just yeah. take what it gives you, it just reprocess something from somewhere. And maybe you didn't hear it, but it did exist. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, it's just reprocessed phrases and, uh, you know, prompts from different things. Yeah. Well, it's going to be really interesting to see where all this goes. And I really hope to, I just want like listeners, audiences, people out in the public to be, you know, aware that it's is like not it's not magic. There's language models and AI are not actually coming up with things that didn't exist before. It's just a it's like a really fancy kind of plagiarism where you can't quite connect it back to the source. Yeah, and a lot of artists like ourselves, like a lot of artists, are trying to create the digital rights management. That if mm -hmm. we see if we find that that phrase matches exactly what I did, then we're going and saying it's just like sampling. You got to clear it. Yeah. So I think that's the next step where that type of stuff is going because sampling it was the wild west before you had to clear them, right? And now you have to clear them, you got to pay for them, but you can't right. just do it or you'll get a cease and desist and you got to give me the royalties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think the same thing is going to happen if people think it's original and then digital rights management gets developed. It's going to say, well, no, that's not really original. That comes from this piece, this mm -hmm. phrase, this part of the thing, and like you, you didn't get clearance for that. You need clearance. Yeah. The problem is that the tech sometimes goes ahead of of the the management right. of the tech. Just because you can right. doesn't mean you know samplers let you do it, and then eventually the law caught yeah. up and said no, you can't do it. <laughs> yeah, and that's every step of the way with technology going back to the beginning of the industrial age, right? Um, even just like factories, like not having regulated working hours, you know, like yeah. every single step of the way people innovating building technology are going to get away with whatever they can get away with until the society reels them back in. Yeah. And it says eventually, oh, that's a no go. You can't do that yeah. because it's like, you know, you can't take stuff and not pay the copyright holder or the patent holder. You know, that's just like, you know, I think that's going to be, if that wild west becomes the law, then there's no law. <laughs> yeah. It's true. You know, it's a wilderness. Right. It's the wild west. It's like, you want it to be the wild west. It's like, well, you know, who's the sheriff? <laughs> yeah we need the ai sheriff man the AI sheriff. Yeah, yeah. it's like somebody's got to do something but um i think it's uh it's really cool uh what you're doing with xj music i think it's a really cool opportunity i'm gonna jump on checking this out like after i have some podcast tonight but i will be checking this out in detail and i really am serious about being a beta tester for anything you want dude. yeah because I've, I've i this is really kind of aligning where my head's at with stuff i'm really into music tech and old vintage and new stuff is yeah. like where my head's at. So um definitely would uh want to jump on that. And I think people should who have this kind of mindset, they're into expansive, different things, new ideas, new tools, 
I think you should check out xjmusic.com. And if you go to that site, I've been there, but you can tell people what happens when you go there, tell people what the experience is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're really just going to be seeing some demos, some music that we published, and we're going to be trying to get, uh, there's one video demo in particular that we've got coming up really soon that'll be up there. Um, but, you know, you can sign up, create an account, mostly just reach out to us because right now, I mean, we're not charging anybody money for this. We really want to find out like what people are going to do with it. Uh, but it's an investment of time, you know, like on your part as an artist. Uh, we really appreciate that and respect that. And uh, and we'll work with you like anybody comes. Just say what's up and uh, we'll get to know you, find out what you want to do and give you access to the tools themselves, help you out every step of the way. Uh, that's that's where we're at right now. Yeah, definitely. I'm always looking for some new venue or new tool. And uh, yeah, this seems like something that's really going to light a fire on my head. You know, it does like cool. whatever hair left I have and <laughs> <laughs> get into it. But uh, yeah, I, I wanted to thank you again for being on the show because I think this has been a really cool way synergy because I, mean, I started this thing with music you know, back in 2016. We yeah. kind of got beyond music, but this episode is kind of aligning into my original intentions. And so that's really cool. Tight. Once in a while, we get to we get to go back and 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 still focus on music and uh, in this is music tech and capabilities that I think a lot of creative people will be uh, you know if they want to dive into it, uh, check it out. Yeah, really appreciate it. Pleasure meeting you, Phantom. Uh, great to be on here. Thank you. You know, again, this will be on all the podcast platforms that people are um, comfortable with. You can watch or listen by, by tomorrow. We, uh, we're, we've been live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Those are the video channels. We also are on Spotify video podcast. That'll be later tonight. And uh, we'll give everybody the landing page and they can check it out however they want to. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. Good night.